Welcome to Here's What I Hear, a podcast about reflections and tips about relationships, personal development, and connection. My name is Jesse Hipner, and I'm a counselor and coach. I believe one of the biggest parts about being human is how we are connected to other humans, connected in friendships, intimate relationships with family members, colleagues. We live and die in and out of relationships and how we are connected to others. As a counselor and coach, I have helped many couples and individuals make meaningful and even life-saving changes. In this podcast, I want to share a little bit about what I hear from week to week, and I want to share with you some of the tips about ways to work through similar issues. And so, here's what I hear. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode In this episode, I'm going to be talking about mindfulness and how we can use mindfulness in our relationships, how it affects our relationships, and ultimately, how it affects our day-to-day life and overall satisfaction, inner peace, and happiness. So, let's jump into it. Now, some of you may already be familiar with mindfulness and the practice of mindfulness, and others may not. So I want to just give a quick definition of what mindfulness is. And I'm by no means a, a, an expert in everything about mindfulness. And so if my definition is a little bit different than how you've heard it explained before, that is perfectly fine because ultimately mindfulness is a vast and very deep practice and it takes on lots of different forms for how we implement it in our lives. And so um, there is room for different definitions. I think in the most basic way, mindfulness is a form of meditation. Mindfulness means that in everything that you do, any moment in life, any moment in your day-to-day, you are continually trying to become more and more present more aware of the thing, the single thing that you are doing in that specific second, in that specific moment. So perhaps it's going on a walk. And mindfulness in walking would be being ultimately aware of every step that you take, being fully aware of your breath, aware of the trees, of the nature around you, aware of the sunshine, aware of how the wind blows against your head, aware of the birds in the background chirping, fully just present, fully aware. Now, it doesn't mean that your mind is empty, that your mind is worry-free. doesn't mean that there might not be distractions. But through mindfulness and through continually practicing mindfulness, we become more and more aware, more and more attuned to the specific present moment that we're in. There is also sitting meditation. We can use mindfulness in sitting meditation. There's just simply silence. We can just be sitting. There's what's called mindful eating, being very present to every chew, every morsel of food that you're eating, really chewing your food 30, 40, 50 times before you swallow, being very aware, not having any distractions. Some people in mindful eating don't even talk. Uh, with others while they're eating. They just are fully consumed within the specific act of eating and a very deep awareness of the food, where it comes from, what it's, how it's nourishing the body, what it's providing to the body. So there's an invitation through mindfulness to continually be 
deepening our awareness and reflection in every present moment. Maybe it's even talking with somebody, right? So being very mindful, very attuned, present, engaged, right? And when you are conversing with somebody, not just waiting to jump in for your turn, not just waiting to get your word in, not pulling your phone out while you're talking to somebody, not talking to somebody else, not looking at something else, doing multitasking, right? Being fully mindful in your conversation means fully engaged, right? And again, through these different acts, does that mean that you are not going to have distractions, you're not going to encounter disruptions in that mindful practice, but it's continually bringing our, our awareness back. One of the ways that we do that is through our breath, and through just simply being aware of as you breathe in and as you breathe out, fully mindful, fully aware, fully present of that breath, your breath brings you back to the present moment so easily, so quickly, so noticeably within just three breaths, three elongated breaths, each breath trying to get deeper and more and more air into your body you become more present, more mindful of the moment. Mindfulness is also in some spiritual practices, uh, a form of uh, enlightenment, uh, a form of touching heaven or touching nirvana, being engaged with God or being engaged with some type of energy larger than ourself. So I'm not going to get into all the depths of that in this episode, but that's also there's there's a depth of beauty within uh, this practice of mindfulness and how it can enrich in our day-to-day lives. And the reason I want to talk about it today, now that we kind of have some framework for what mindfulness is, I want to talk about in our relationships, in our connections, how something that at when it at first look, it can seem so inward focused and maybe in a sense so selfish, just self focused. How does mindfulness affect those that were around? How does it affect others? Well, when we begin to understand why we are experiencing something the way we are experiencing it and why we are experiencing it that way begins to have profound impacts on the way we experience things. And in fact, there's a term that I like to use called mindful inner awareness. And when we develop this practice of mindful inner awareness, how those that were in relationship affect us, how something someone says bothers us or the frustrations that come up. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have frustrations. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have bothering things. It doesn't mean that you can't have preferences. I don't even believe that means that you can't have desires. In fact, first and foremost, I believe that through mindfulness, we're able to begin to identify why we are frustrated, why we are angry, why we're upset, why we're bothered. Also, why things make us happy. What about positive connections, positive relationships? Why are those things enjoyable? Through mindful inner awareness and deep listening within ourselves, deep reflection about why these things the way are the way they are, we begin to understand them more. And so often I find that when we have a problem, and I'm certainly guilty of this plenty of times, both personally and professionally, when we have a problem or we encounter a barrier, we want to first just go to finding a solution. 
I think this is a large part of the society that we're in, the modeling that we receive, the environment that we grow up in, is that it's always about, okay, if you've got a problem, make a change. If you've got a problem, do something about it. If you've got a problem, what's the solution, right? Everything is so solutions-focused. Now, ironically, in my practice, I do utilize a lot of solutions-focused techniques and solutions-focused brief therapy is an evidence-based practice. So there is a lot of good value behind that kind of approach. But that's a bit more nuanced. I think on the basic level, when we think about problem and solution, we so quickly just want to jump to, okay, here's this discomfort. Here's this suffering. Here's this pain. Here's this something I don't like. How do I do something about it? Before we ever even ask the question, why? Or what is this suffering about? Why am I suffering? Why am I under this pain? Or even understanding what you are trying to overcome. Understanding what you are experiencing. And this is fairly universal, I think, for everyone. Certainly in my experience, most of the clients I work with, when they first start meeting with me, it's very much about how do we, how do we find a solution? What is the goal, right? So much in our healthcare industry, which counseling is kind of a, a wing of, certainly if, you know, within the realm of insurance and being very much outcomes driven. What is the outcome? What is the change? How can I make this person better? How can I reduce the suffering that they're in? How can I get rid of the symptoms they're having? Right? This diagnosis, how do we do something about this diagnosis, this condition that they live with? So much emphasis on what we should change, what we need to modify about our life. The problem that we have within us or the problem that we are, the problem that we're creating or the problems we're engaging in, how do we just change that? So there's a belief that there must be always a solution to our problems. That's ultimately what we're getting to is what's the solution. However, what I find through, again, mindfulness, both in my own practice and the client, the many different clients I've worked with, is that this mindset of solutions-focused, being so solutions-driven, change-driven, this mindset totally circumvents mindful connection. And it totally circumvents what our bodies need, our, our nervous system desires, the emotional process in all of this. And it's a three-part process. Mindful connection is what I like to call it. How do we connect with ourselves in a mindful, deep way before we ever even get to talking about a change or a solution? 90%, I would say, of this process is two out of three steps. I want to walk you through that. The first step. As we begin our practice, whether it's through mindfulness or whatever other term you want to give it, maybe your own therapy process, your own coaching process, lots of good self-help books out there, whatever it is you are going through and working through trying to understand within yourself, the first step is we need to bring our awareness inward so that we can name what we are feeling or experiencing. I want to say that again. The first step is simply to name what you are feeling or experiencing. So often, I think we, we just kind of happen to be experiencing something. We experience joy. Something makes us smile. 
We get excited. Something makes us happy. Or we get angry. We get afraid. Something makes us sad. And we're not really fully aware of it. It's just kind of like happened to us. And so then again, through mindfulness, we can bring our awareness and say, ah, I am angry. Not just experiencing angry, but actually being able to name it. I am feeling angry. I am experiencing a visceral activation from what this person just told me, right? So there's a nuance. There's a difference. There's an internal dialogue. There's an internal deep listening, deep conversation with yourself about what you are experiencing. That's step one. Step two is that then once we are able to name what we are experiencing or feeling, we can then begin to understand why we are feeling that way or experiencing that situation in that way, right? Understanding has to begin with first having an honest reflection and recognition and conversation with ourselves about what we're feeling, right? I'm feeling stressed about finances, I'm feeling stressed or anxious about parenting. I'm feeling nervous about the state of the economy, the state of the world. I'm unsure what today will bring. I'm unsure what tomorrow has in store. I'm afraid of dying. I'm afraid of illness. I'm afraid of my kid getting hurt. I'm afraid of something happening to someone I love. I'm afraid of conflict with my partner. I'm afraid of family drama. Right? When we begin to have these internal conversations with ourselves, when we begin to name those experiences, we can start to understand why. And we're still within this practice of mindfulness, right? So naming it and then understanding it requires creating space. We need to create space, create capacity within our life. We are so busy in this day and age. We're so much around hurrying, hurrying from one thing to the next. If you listen to my last episode, this energy, this consumption about us is feeding, is nourishing the anger within us. And one of the best ways to combat that seed that is growing within you is creating space, creating capacity. Go to your breath. Notice your breath. As you breathe in, you can notice, I am here. This is a good, wonderful moment right now where I'm at. As you breathe out, Smile. Smile at yourself. Give thanks for where you're at, what you have accomplished, what you have achieved, what you do have. Express gratitude. And when you notice that breath, you begin to create space within yourself. You create capacity. I love the metaphor, even of just as you breathe in, you literally create more space within your core. As your lungs fill with oxygen, you are literally creating space within your body. And then your lungs transmit the oxygen from the air you breathe into your blood cells and your heart pumps that breath 
that oxygen throughout your entire being. It is a phenomenon every time you take a breath in, what it does to your body. And even in that, even in breathing, we can have mindfulness and, and recognize that as our body breathes in, follow that breath as it goes into your body, follow that oxygen as it enters into your blood, and as your heart pumps that throughout every little nook and cranny of your body. And it does that. It does that even without us knowing, without us being aware of it hundreds of times a day. And so when we bring our awareness to that, when we are mindful of our breath, when we are mindful of what we are experiencing, we create space. We create capacity for understanding. We can understand that, uh, yeah, the day and age is, is hard. There's a lot of things going on. And the media loves to sell anxiety, loves to sell hate, loves to sell anger loves to cover flash news, things that are going to get the clicks. And I'm not anti-news, don't get me wrong. I have a high respect for journalism and what journalists do. And I think there's a time and place for news and for being engaged and understanding what's going on. But man, are we so far from a healthy balance with what we consume. So it's understandable that we'd be in a nervous state, a hyper-aroused state. It's understandable. Parenting is hard. Being in relationships are hard. These things are understandable. And it's not to minimize what you are experiencing or what we are experiencing, but it's just to bring understanding. It's to validate that within you that, ah, yeah. Okay, Jesse, it does make sense that this would be stressful. It does make sense that this would be activating. I hear you. I see you, little Jesse. I can comfort you. I can give you a hug. When we do that to that little child within us, when we express that validation, understanding, amazing things can begin to happen. So many people are afraid of having that internal dialogue with their little child within themselves. So I think that they aren't aware to a certain degree of what might be behind that door if they open it up. And of course, there's professional spaces to do that. <laughs> That's what a big part of my practice is, helping people journey into those spaces they haven't been in a while. But you can do that yourself just by starting to make capacity. And lastly, the third step in this three-part process is once we name it and we begin to understand it, then thirdly, we can then identify what change or solution, if even any at all, is needed. It's amazing because I find that honestly, 80, 90% of the process, sometimes the entire process is just steps one and two, attending and attuning to our inner world, being able to name what we are experiencing, name what we are feeling, and understand that it's valid and it makes sense and it's okay to feel that way. And we can comfort ourselves through that. We can bring our awareness and our mindfulness to that. Can create so much change just within that one moment before we even need to change anything about our life. And if a solution is necessary, if a change behavioral modification, you know, to use some therapist jargon is needed, 
I find that it almost just naturally reveals itself once we're able to do step one and step two fully. So the next time before you encounter an issue, the next time before you, you know, try to address a problem in your life, turn inward first. Try to practice some mindful connection with yourself to see if you can understand a bit more and name what you are experiencing. Hey, I want to extend an offer to you. The fact that you made it here to the end of the episode tells me that something that I am talking about in these episodes is resonating with you. And for some reason, we are connected through this effort. So if you enjoyed this episode or you've been enjoying other episodes that you've been listening to and you're finding things helpful or insightful, I would love to work with you. If you are struggling in a relationship, perhaps, or you're trying to overcome a challenge in life, I want to meet with you through a free consultation. That free consultation is just a chance to meet with me, to share a little bit about yourself, and for me to offer you some insights and some feedback. My goal in those consultations is to give you as much as I can, as much as I know about relationships and personal development. There's truly no strings attached. It's simply a one-on-one space with a professional to get feedback directly about what you are going through and what you are trying to work toward. So check out the show notes for a link to schedule with me. Quick note for a liability reasons, I am not your counselor. Okay, if you think I'm your counselor, that's probably a good indicator you need counseling. Now, of course, if you're in the Denver metro area or frankly anywhere in Colorado, I would love to explore working with you. And so, like I mentioned before, check out that consultation call and I would love to talk with you more about that. But just listening to this podcast and following me does not equate to being in treatment with me. I just need to make that clear. And lastly, and most importantly, if you're struggling with thoughts of wanting to kill yourself, wanting to die, or feel like there's no way out, I want you to know there is hope and there is help. And I want you to get that help immediately. A good option is frankly the emergency room. They are equipped to help you. And if you're in the United States, we have a three-digit suicide hotline and it is 988. All right. Thanks.